we need. And I hope that each and every one here this morning can truthfully say that you have Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior and Lord. I just want to add my personal invitation to each and every one of you to be sure to come downstairs after the service is over today to uh, share in the fellowship lunch. If you didn't bring any food, don't worry about that. There is plenty of food down there. Uh, they, we've got fried chicken coming at about 11.45 or so, if you smell that as it gets picked up a little later on. Uh, there's smoked brief brisket down there and smoked pork and uh, pulled pork barbecue. And uh, hopefully there's plenty of that for everybody here. And folks have brought extra dishes. We invited the parents of all of our Awana kids, church, unchurched kids, on Wednesday night. They were all sent an invitation to come, so there should be plenty of food. Looking forward to a great time of fellowship together, and we need you there to uh, help with that time of fellowship together. One of the uh, great joys is uh, the fact that even as independent churches, we can fellowship and be in association with other churches of life, faith, and practice. Uh, First Baptist Church of Carroll is an independent Baptist church. We don't have uh, accountability to a bishop or a pope or anything like that, but we do have the privilege to be part of the General Association of Regular Baptist Churches, which uh, the Michigan branch of that is the Michigan Association of Regular Baptist Churches. And uh, by, by working together, we can do things we couldn't do on our own. We can encourage each other within the churches. There's conferences that are held. There are projects that are carried out. There have been camps that have been established. And uh, we, we are very thankful today to have with us to help us celebrate uh, the director for the Michigan Association of Regular Baptist Church. The MARBC is what we'll henceforth refer to it as today. Uh, Ken Floyd and his wife Sharon. Ken's been the director for... 10 years now. He walks in the footsteps of uh, John Wood and Alf Nelson and Maynard Belt, and we are thankful for him. He is a, a pastor's pastor. He's a consultant to churches, to pastors, an encourager, a counselor, a counselor to God's people, helps churches when they get into trouble, helps churches when they're seeking pastors, things like that. And uh, he's been a, become a good friend to me in the 10 years that uh, he served in that capacity. He's a veteran pastor. He he pastored for a number of years in Ohio, but saw the light, came to Michigan, and uh, has been in Michigan since that time. So without taking any more of his time, Ken Floyd, come share with us what God's laid on your heart. Thank you, Pastor, with that wonderful introduction that alienated most of you against me now. We have lived in Michigan 23 years, so that means we moved there when I was two and uh, some of you know better than that especially my friend Chris Howard who I have known his entire life there is therapy for that by the way there are support groups and I would encourage many of you to join that but we've known the Howard family uh, we've been friends with Chris's parents back, back from the time of Cedarville you know, it's really strange. The last two times I've spoken now, in the foyer, before the service, I have crossed paths with one of my Cedarville classmates, and lo and behold, I'm walking through the foyer this morning, and there's John Mitchell. And I just said, wow, I just feel right at home. But I was telling Pastor after the Sunday School Hour, you folks are so gracious, you're so friendly. And I feel bad telling you this, but when people were asking, well, where are you going to be speaking next week? And I said, 
care of. You know what everyone said, right? Is that where they make the syrup? <laughs> I said, no, not Cairo, it's Cairo, Michigan. And uh, anyway, so if there are syrup factories around here, I don't know. If, are there really? Oh, well, that's right, yeah. So anyway, it's great to be here today. Pardon? Sweet, t it's a sweet town. Thank you. Would you please quit interrupting me as I'm trying to get my train of thought here, but no, we really appreciate you, and uh, really, we thank you for your partnership with our association. We'll share during the praise time this afternoon a little bit about our ministry, but more specifically about ways in which God has used you as a part of the almost 200 churches that are a part of our network of churches, but uh, we appreciate the fact that you share with us um, Pastor Wigand as well as uh, Pastor Mark. They both serve on our Council of 16, and uh, an advisory capacity and helping uh, give leadership and direction to our association and uh, we're grateful for your willingness to participate with us in that way and uh, it was just great to get to connect with them here today as well as uh, uh, the Mitchells and the Vosbergs and uh, have background with them because I was their kids pastor while I was uh, there in Grand Rapids pastoring uh, the church there for almost 14 years. Well, today is a great day. It's a day of celebration, and uh, I really appreciate the comments uh, before the offering regarding the fact that, you know, yeah, we've really accomplished a lot by getting this uh, building project uh, towards the end here and completed. But frankly, um, so what? Really? Uh, in a lot of ways, so what? Uh, there's a, there's a, a philosopher from back in the uh, 1800s I like to quote. He's a Frenchman. Uh, his name was Jean-Baptiste Alphonse Kerr. I, I don't think he was Baptist, even though Baptiste was a part of his name. But he made a statement that many of you know. It starts like this. The more things change, the more they remain the same, right? So, we have updated facilities, right? Change. But you know what? Actually, things remain the same, right? Why are we here? We're here to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those who are in desperate need of hearing it. And we're here to encourage and edify one another as, as, as believers in Jesus Christ to walk worthy of the calling with which he has called us, right? And so while our facilities can be important and strategic in the way in which we are engaged in implementing ministry, we have to remember that the basis of ministry is really the body of Christ. It's God's people. Uh, John will tell you he's been in parts of the world where not only have you not had facilities like this, you haven't had a facility to meet in. I've met in, in, in clay and dirt in uh, India with thousands of people gathered that were sitting on the ground listening intensely to the Word of God. So we understand that while this is certainly a, a great day of celebration, I don't want to downplay that at all, what I'd like us to think about this morning for the moments before we, uh, we enjoy the, the smoked foods and everything else that is a part of the afternoon, I'd like us to think about how, how well we look as the body of Christ. And so you need to join me, please, in Ephesians chapter 4 to do that. I'd like to spend a few moments there. As we go to the Word of God, you remember that in the uh, letter of James, actually the first letter shared with the early church when you think of it chronologically and historically. Uh, James, as he writes, talks early on in his letter about the fact that uh, we, need to, we need to look intently into the mirror of God's word, right? 
So what we're doing today is we're opening God's Word, we're holding it up, and we're looking at it to see what is reflected back at us as God reveals to us as His children, as His body. So how do we look today? And this statement in James says, don't be like the man. I don't know why he chose man and not woman. Actually, I do. Because I've watched men look in the mirror, and I've watched my wife and my mom and others look in the mirror as ladies. And there is a different approach to mirror looking, a mirror gawking, as you might have it. And uh, so, you know, a guy just looking, especially as we get older, guys, you know, there's not as much to really look at, you know. Uh, I, I, someone told me I have their perfect head for heaven because in heaven there's no parting there, and there's no part in my hair anymore. But you look in the mirror quickly, it says there. The guy looks in the mirror, James chapter 1 verses 23 and following and uh, he just kind of glances and he goes about his way and he forgets what he looked at don't be that way we're told instead be someone who gazes intently into the mirror of god's word so that not only we see what's reflected back in terms of the way that you look but that you allow the word of god to have its dynamic impact in your life and so that's what we're wanting this morning as we think about the church of jesus christ and what that means for us. There was a man and a woman who were ready for bed one night, and uh, the husband, of course, was already in bed waiting for her to finally come to bed, elderly couple, and there's this full-length mirror in their room, and she's standing there, and she's looking, and she's giving this verbal commentary as she's looking at herself in the mirror, and she says, wow, I've really changed over the years. I hold my arms out, and they flap. They didn't used to do that. I look at my legs. Weren't they one of the things that attracted you to me originally? No answer. They look like tree trunks now. I just, I'm just old and saggy and just this long pause. I don't know if you know this, guys, but this husband was in big trouble because that long pause was not meant to just be a time of quietness or to hear the crickets. She finally says, well, aren't you going to say something to me to cheer me up? He should have pretended he was snoring, but he said, well, your eyesight is really good. <laughs> so how do I know, how do you know if we're, really, if we're really fulfilling the picture of what it means to be the church? We have a lot of direction in the Word of God, especially in this passage before us in Ephesians 4. Now, if I don't get to finish anything else here, I'd like us to hear what God's Word has to say. That's the most important thing. So I'd like you to join me as I begin reading in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1 all the way through to the end of the little portion that I'll be looking at as our text this morning. Follow, please, as I read from Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. And hey, let's do a stretch break. I know you're all anxious for lunch. I don't want you falling asleep. I gave John permission since he and his wife just flew back from Peru, but anyone else, you need to be stimulated. So let's stand together if you're able to stand or you want to stand, uh, and we'll uh, listen as I read God's word. Ephesians 4.1. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all 
and in you all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. You just get the idea that there's, a, there's this issue of unity and oneness that he's trying to kind of reinforce with us here? I think so. And, and, and it continues. He says, therefore, verse 8, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, uh, quote, he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth, and he who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he, this is still talking about Christ, as is referenced in verse 7, the one who gave gifts, he goes on to specifically say, he himself gave some to be apostles. We learned about that in the Sunday Square, if you were here in the auditorium. He gave some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. That actually could be a hyphenated statement, pastor-teachers, seemingly talking about the same role, uh, that um, he gave pastor-teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by every, what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. And by the way, that is all one thought. That's one long sentence that summarizes for us as we look in the mirror of God's word. This is what the church looks like when it's functioning as the body of Christ. Amazing. Unified yet diverse. Various backgrounds yet completely gifted to work together as a unit because it's not we trying to figure it out. It's Christ unifying us, working through us, gifting us for acts of service so that we together can impact Caro, no matter what brand of syrup you like. We impact Caro, this region, this state, this nation, this world with the gospel. And it not only can work, it does work because we're living proof 21 centuries later from the time in which this was shared. Father, for the moments that remain, help us to appreciate principles that will help us as a local body of believers to engage effectively in this community, demonstrating the unity of the Savior in our lives and ministering in a way that impacts this community, not just with social goodness, but with gospel power that transforms lives for all eternity, we pray for your glory, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. So, we have this picture of oneness, this picture of unity. It's a, it's a very important principle for us to grasp. We're going to go through a lot of other things today. We're going to have fun around a table, fellowshipping, eating together. Uh, I wore a tie just so I don't get the rest of my shirt dirty. Uh, you know, all these things are going to happen. We're going to rejoice. We're going to have a praise time. We're going to share a lot of thanksgiving about what God is doing in our midst. And it's going to be easy for us to forget the focal point of his word. And so I'm going to give you a word to spell this morning, just so you can kind of tag along with me and hopefully remember this 
as you as a member of the body of Christ, and we together as a corporate body of believers will work together. Beginning in verse 12, Christ, the gifter of, giver of gifts to the church, shares all of these different parts, all of these different people, even the foundation of the apostles, which he talked about in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 20, uh, that of course is based upon the bedrock of Jesus Christ and all these other things that have come together. Christ has given all these as gifts. So what? Well, here's the what, beginning in verse 12. Here's how you and I as average normal believers in Christ are to function together. He says, we are to be equipped for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we're unified in the faith. We have the knowledge of the Son of God that we're mature. That's what the word perfect means there, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So how do we know if we're doing that? Here's the litmus test beginning in verse 13, and I give you the first letter, the letter S. He says that we no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. S stands for stability. There is a stability that comes with Jesus Christ as your Savior, basing your life upon the Word of God. You have to admit, we live in a rather unstable world. We do. Uh, Our lives are unstable from day one when we take our first breath. Uh, There are others around us to bring stability into our lives as infants and growing up all the way through. And that's the same thing spiritually speaking. We live in great instability. And the difference that Christ makes with all these oneness principles that are shared early on in this chapter, uh, come to this focal point of verse 14 to remind us that one of the things that should cause us to stand out in our community and one-on-one with others as we engage with them is the fact that our lives are stable. It's the opposite of what's shared here. You're probably thinking, well, how do you come out that, get that out of what's shared here? Will you ever watch Waves? at a seashore, you go to Lake Michigan, you go to the oceans, and you watch, and they just out and back and out, back and out, you know, and it's, they're unstable. Uh, You think of, uh, you think of uh, the other illustration he gives here about the wind, you watch the wind blow, and this time of year we're going to watch wind blowing a lot of leaves off of trees, and the wind blows every which way, and in Grand Rapids recently we've had a lot of heavy winds that have come through, just like you have over here as well. And you watch the wind, and you really, you don't see the wind, right? But you see the effects of the wind. It's a very unstable thing. And he says, this is not who we are in Christ. This is not what the church is through Jesus Christ. We are stable. We are stable people. We have our our hearts and our minds set upon something that is rock solid. It's the Word of God, and it's Jesus Christ who is the rock. And we are firm in Him. And our stability is not because we have bought into some political process or some philosophical bearing. Our, our stability is Christ. He is the foundation. Paul talked about that in chapter 2. It's based upon the solid doctrine that was given to us by those who, who God used to compile what we know as the Word of God, the Holy Bible. Our stability is not because of our ingenuity. Our stability is because of who we place our lives upon, and that is Jesus Christ. 
So we're not people who are batted back and forth, tossed to and fro by every wind and every whimsy. You know, that's one of the challenges of life growing up is that we can grow older, but are we growing more mature? That's the whole point of verse 13 here is the fact that are we, are we just aging or are we maturing in the way that God would want us? And that's the issue of stability. This stability is something that many would hope for, but only those who are in Christ can truly attain as we do, as you are doing today, and that is being in, a, being in an environment where the Word of God is taught, where the Word of God is practiced and lived, and in a fellowship of believers where we are affirming one another, we're sharpening one another, at times having to actually rebuke one another because it's not my opinion that matters, it's that we're looking at our lives through the mirror of God's Word. And when we see a zit, right, in our adolescence, we want to take care of it. We want to take care of it the right way. When we see something that shows us that, boy, our skin is a little yellow or a little red, it tells us there's an infection somewhere. And, and the most foolish thing to do is to take a look in the mirror and then just walk away and say, eh, it'll pass. Well, you will pass, right? And that's the, that's the whole issue of being a part of the body of Christ. And so there's this issue of, of growth and maturity that he's talking about and applying by what he shares in verse 14 with this principle of stability. One commentator on this text says, you know, I don't mind walking down the street and seeing someone with, a, in his day it was a baby carriage. I don't even know if they even exist anymore except in antique stores. But, you know, a little baby stroller and you're walking, and you see it, and I love it. You know, I'm a grandpa, so I love looking at other people's kids to think, oh, poor things, you should have wonderfully looking kids like our grandkids. But uh, anyway, I look in there, and you look, and you start to bend over, and the commentator says you start to bend over, and you look, and, and smiling back at you is an almost toothless aged man with grain hair and a beard in a baby carriage. And what started out to be a becomes a why? Because that doesn't fit the picture. That does not fit the design for what true growth is all about. And that's what he's talking about here. S stability, being stable. The second letter is the letter O, and we find that in verse 15. He goes on to say, But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things in him who is the head, Christ. O connects with the word truth in verse 15, and it has the idea of obedience. If I am stable, it means I am being obedient to the word of God. I'm being obedient to the parameters and the mandates and the and instructions and, and the stipulations about my life. I'm honoring the Lord Jesus Christ by taking to heart the word of God. And so I am truthing it, literally is the way that that word could be described and translated from the original. I am truthing it in love. I'm being obedient. My life is defined by obedience. Mature believers, those who are maturing, are practicing obedience. It is a practice, right? I mean, it doesn't matter how old you get in the faith, no matter how old you get in life, uh, you achieve different statuses in life, and you think, well, I finally arrived. And then you start having hair fall out or teeth fall out or a combination of them, and y- your life uh, just constantly is in a state of flux. My wife and I are mentoring a young couple for marriage. We'll be doing another premarital counseling session with them on Tuesday evening. And I was talking with them about that, the fact that, you know what, just... Uh, 
you never truly prepare for marriage because as soon as you think you've got it all nailed down, things change. You change, your body changes, you have kids, and if you don't think there's change with children, then don't even go there. You know, there's lots of change, and especially you get to adolescence and all those things. I noticed the applause got lighter during promotion with each of those, especially by the teachers that were getting the group coming in next, that kind of thing. It's just part of life. And then, you know, you get to adulthood, you think you've arrived, and there's all these changes. And the only constant that helps us through every change of life, every transition point, is the truth of God's word. And will I stay obedient to the truth? Will we stay obedient to the truth? You do realize that your church is rather unusual, and it's not just because you live in Cairo and you all are unique. I'll just say that. It's not that at all. You're unique in the fact that a lot of churches that have been around for even 100 years haven't lasted in terms of being true to God's word. You need to rejoice in that. This is a day of celebration, and not because the building is looking good, but because through Jesus Christ you're looking good. You're staying true to God's word. You're honoring his truth. You're, you're truthing it in love. It's a sign of whether you're growing up or just growing older, whether or not you're truthing it. But it is in love, and that's the third letter, the letter L, because my obedience is, is grounded in the fact that those two words are linked together. So I'm truthing it in love. And my love is a love that I cannot muster up in myself. It's the love of Jesus Christ that flows through me and through us as a body of believers. And so as we are truthing, it, it is a truth that is tempered by love. Because, right, you hear this. Try to share some, with someone about Jesus Christ, and you kind of take the deep gulp and breath to start sharing the gospel. And, uh, I, you know, inevitably... Uh, I, I, I fly on airplanes uh, com, uh, constantly through the year, not constantly, but at least four or five times a year. And normally I'm alone, I'm going to board meetings or whatever, and so yeah, I sit and I play the game in the terminal, and it's, okay, who in this, this little space here is going to be my, my companion sitting next to me? And I'm pretty good at guessing, usually it's people who are rather larger than me, and uh, so I'm out on the aisle like this, and but I'm watching, and I'm trying to guess, and I'm thinking about how will I interact with him. Sometimes I've actually figured it out uh, amazingly, and so I've kind of listened for conversations or I see how they're attired or where they're coming from or where they're going just to strike up a conversation. But not long into the conversation, you go through the basic questions, name, rank, serial number, what do you do for a living? Usually I lose them there. But then if, if they still stick with me when I tell them, well, I'm a, I, I've been a pastor, but now I kind of work as a ministry consultant to churches, and then they'll say, oh, what denomination? And I mean, I just barely purse my lips with the for Baptist, and it's like, well, you know, the headphones go on, and they're reading the magazine that they've already read twice while I've been sitting there next to them, but somehow that article looks really good again. You get it, right? But sometimes it's, it's earned by us. Because we're really into this truthing it, this obedience, but we forget that it's linked, inter, interconnected with love. We're truthing it in love. Love is, is that which helps to uh, bring a, a, a bit of tempering to truth. It's just not, well, you're a sinner and you're going to hell. It's, here's how God loved us. Why we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
Oh, we tell, we tell the truth, but we do it in the very love that God has given us to share with us the fact that, yeah, you're lost, you're condemned, but here is how I have provided for your redemption, for your salvation. And we do that. See, really, the church as a body, as we gather together for our times of what we would call, in the technical terms, edification, it's, it's the practice realm. It's like we are to gather together today and we're getting teaching from God's word because this is the practice opportunity. We're going to be going out on the gridiron and we're going to be team Christ and we're going to be going out to share the gospel with others. And right now we have the opportunity to practice together. Now there are times when the coach might have to get a little tough, but there's a game plan. Then there's a playbook. It's called the word of God. And so we have young people of every ages, and frankly, I was thrilled this morning that we got to be here for Promotion Sunday. Look at these young people and older people crossing the stage, and a lot of you out here that are engaged. This is our practice time. We're, we're, we're invested in the coach's manual. We're, we're practicing our skills. And if I slip up, though, that's okay, because right here, I'm in, a, I'm in a warm environment where we're encouraging one another, we're edifying one another in love. All the one another's that are talked about in the New Testament, this is the practice. And we share with one another in that way, because pretty soon, as a team, we're going to break out onto the field in Jerusalem, as we heard in Sunday school, where we live, Cairo. In Judea, the region around us, I like to, and I'll allude to it in our uh, prayer update this afternoon, uh, that's, in my opinion, the state of Michigan. Samaria, places we don't like to go because we feel uncomfortable. It takes us out of our comfort zone because the people are different, the language may be different, uh, the culture is very different. But we're to go there, to the ends of the earth. We get to practice here as we gather together in whatever group uh, settings it may be to go out there on the gridiron. We truth it in love. S, we're stable. O, we're obedient. L, we're loving. I, verse 16, he says, for whom the, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every body, uh, every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. I, we are involved, or if you want to use another I word, we are intertwined. We're not solo acts. Pastor was very right to say during Sunday school hour, people who say they don't want to be a part of a church do not understand the word of God and what the gospel is all about. Because the gospel was never intended to be a solo act. The church of Jesus Christ is not a solo act. We are together, intertwined, involved together in the body of Christ. It's the way it's got to be. Dysfunctional churches are the ones where the, uh, the pronoun I is used more than the one that starts we. We are a body. We are involved together. We are intertwined because that's the way the body functions the best. Parts of the body that decide they're going to do a solo act, what happens to them? Well, just look at the top of my head. They die. They are irrelevant. They're no longer a part of anything that has any substance or meaning. Right? That's a challenge to the culture of Christianity today because so many are saying, well, we can, you know, with all this technology, with all these things, we don't need the body of Christ. And I say, oh, 
more than ever, we need the body of Christ today. We need to be involved together, intertwined together, because that's where we get our accountability. That's where we get our affirmation. That's where we get our encouragement. That's where we sharpen one another, as the biblical principle talks about it. Uh, our grandkids uh, are getting to the age, at least the two oldest, uh, seven and five, that we started. I actually came across an old cassette tape that our daughter used to listen to when she was younger. And uh, it's from a radio program they used to play uh, on the Christian radio station in Grand Rapids called Jungle Jam and Friends. Anyone jung Jungle Jam alumni, you know, that you will admit it? I love it. I mean, I'm, I'm listening to it now, and I'm thinking, man, I'm, you know, I'm, well, I'm older than I used to be. And I'm, I'm, I love this. I love the song that, you know, in the jungle there's a lot to do, you know, that kind of stuff. And anyway, so we're listening to one, and, um, I, you know, we, I, frankly, we are praying because our, our oldest grandson, Connor, he's a great kid. He's just like his dad. He's got an engineering mind and all this. And then there's Eloise, Ella. Eloise is named after my wife's mother, uh, Ella's mom, our daughter, has that as her middle name, Eloise, but we call her Ella. Ella's got a little bit of a, you know, I just like to be my own act, and, you know, what is yours is mine, what is mine is mine, that kind of thing. And uh, so we're, we've been trying to share Christian principles just like her mom and dad. And so the, uh, the, the Cheetah Sisters are a part of an episode. The Cheetah Sisters are a trio act. They sing. And uh, is it Benita Cheetah decides that she's going to be a solo act rather than doing the three-part harmony? And I'm thinking of it not because the ladies up here look like cheetahs, but they really sang well. And I thought, wow, illustration par excellent for the eye of the word we're spelling. Uh, what would have happened if during this wonderful time of their singing, if they wanted to look at the other and said, you know what, just just back off. Let me just sing this part by myself. Yeah, well, if, she, if they're singing the melody, it might work, but, you know, the other two are kind of like, well, whoop-de-doo, you know? And then, you know, if it's not, if it's a harmony part, well, attached to the melody, it sounds great, but by itself. And that's where we are a lot of times. Our carnal nature, our sin nature says, you know what, I need to be the, I need to be the center of attention. You know what, there's someone who already has that, or should, his name is Jesus Christ. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. And we work together as a body. So even Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians. He says, have you ever noticed how a body works? You know, the eye doesn't show up first and kind of roll down the aisle and find a place in a pew. And then later on, you know, here comes the spleen flopping down the aisle and finds its place. And finally, we're all together. No, we work together best as, say it with me, one we are united together. So S, I'm stable. O, I'm obedient. Uh, L, we're loving. Uh, I, we are, we are involved. We're intertwined. And then finally D, spelling the word solid. The letter D, we are dependent. Did you notice all the way through chapter 4, there's one name that constantly shows up. It's Jesus Christ. Because he's the glue that fits it all together. Actually, he's the one who created the body. He's the one who is the head, we're told, of the body. He is the one who's the savior of the body. He's the one who gifts the body, we're told in verse 7 of chapter 4. With all the spiritual gifts that are ours, not to, just to enjoy, but to engage in, to serve one another and to demonstrate 
that oneness to a community that absolutely needs to see the difference Christ makes in a life. So my question today as we go down to enjoy all the great food is how you looking? The mirror's up there. It's the Word of God. You're looking in the mirror, First Baptist. How do you look? What do you look like? If you're looking like Christ, and if you're truly reflecting Him as a body of believers, you're going to look like what we just talked about here. You're going to be solid because there's stability, there's obedience that is linked to love, there's going to be this interdependence, this, this, uh, this in- intertwining of our hearts and our lives together, and we will be totally dependent upon Jesus Christ. Well, as I referenced earlier, talking about John Mitchell, um, we were at Cedarville. That's actually near my hometown, our hometown, my wife and I. And there's this place near Cedarville that if you've ever been down in the area, you've probably been to. It's called Young's Jersey Dairy. Any of you ever been to Young's? We got Young's fans here. Now you're really hungry, right? Let's just skip the smoke stuff and get to dessert. Okay, it's famous for ice cream. And uh, today it's a, just this mega complex. When my wife and I were kids growing up in the area, Literally, you walk through cow, you know what, to get to the window in the cut in the side of a barn. Yeah, let's, let's see the health department allow that to come back, uh, to pass today. And you get your ice cream cone, and you stand there in the midst of all that with flies circulating everywhere, and you lick your cone, and now it's just this great big complex. Well, normally when we're back in town, because we're about the only ones from either side of our family that have ever moved away, it's a big event, you know, I guess, but I think it's just they want to go to Young's. They say, well, let's meet you at Young's. So we meet at Young's, and we, we eat our ice cream. And outside, they have this kitty factory now. It's uh, all for stuff for kids, little carnival-type things and rides and all these things. And they've got this piece of plywood that's set up on its side, and it's obviously propped up. And um, it's painted, and there's like a little uh, mural-type thing painted on it. It's it's, it's four different bodies, four different torsos. And at the top, you've got little, like, semicircles cut out. And it's designed so that people could go behind it and stick their head down on it. And, you know, people take pictures. So we were there a few years back, and my wife has two other sisters, and I kind of like one of them, you know. The other, you know, it's like, well, good, we're leaving, you know, that kind of thing. No, I love them all. I do. This is recorded, right? i got to be careful what I say. Okay. So I said to my wife, I said, Sharon, why don't you and Pam and Teresa get behind there? And the aunt, who was single for a lot of time and used to drive them around everywhere when they were kids and teenagers, I said, why don't you get Aunt Frances to get back there too? And we took their picture. And of course, everyone walking by is looking at them. Ha, ha, ha. One of them actually fit the torso pretty well in terms of things. But anyway, so we're, we're taking pictures. And, and that, that plywood with the paint on it is put up there to be a caricature for people to laugh at. And that's what happens. But as we close, let me just ask this. Here's the mural. It's a picture of the body of Christ, First Baptist Church Caro style. Here's the, here it is. Here we are. One semicircle cut for one head. Who is that? It's Jesus Christ. So here's the picture. We've painted it. Here you are. Jesus comes in 
and sticks his head down. How will people respond? Will they laugh? Will they, <laughs> what a ridiculous looking thing. Or will they look and go, that fits there we go that's your assignment think about that while you're chewing on your smoked whatever father we pray today that you'd help us to take seriously your calling in our lives we rejoice with this dear group of believers in what you're doing here and for the great accomplishments of having this wonderfully uh, secure and effective ministry center. But, Lord, as we would acknowledge, this building is not the church, even though it's labeled that on the outside. It's just a meeting place of a group of people who are the church. And it is their goal to honor you and to represent you well in this Caro community. And I pray today that in the midst of all of the rejoicing that is appropriate and should take place, that we'll remember, the more things change, the more they remain the same. And may we continue to look unto you, give us guidance and direction, and may we continue to look in the mirror of God's word to make sure that we truly represent the body of Christ who is connected to our wonderful head, the Lord Jesus Christ, in proclaiming the gospel to those who are in desperate, eternal need. For your glory, we pray, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen.